You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. If we submit to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that He wants to do in our lives, God will see it through. We can fight after it and we can pull and we can argue about it. And God's happy to allow you to do that. It's just going to take more time and hurt you a lot more. But God says, go ahead, fight. Go ahead. Hit your head against that brick wall till it bleeds. I'm still going to get my purpose done. Nothing thwarts the plan of God as long as we continue to abide in Him. Have you ever felt as though you could mess up so badly that it could hinder the very plans of God? Or perhaps you thought maybe you could stall enough that God would eventually give up on His specific calling for you. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that what God purposes to do, He'll get done no matter what it takes, whether you work with Him or not. He'll get it done. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20 as he continues his message, Jonathan the Faithful Friend. God had called him in the ministry as a young man. And it's going to take 20 some odd years before he actually ascends to the throne. And all that time is God's preparation in his life for what will happen. I told you about my story, 1993. I felt called of God to be a pastor. I read scripture that ministered to me. I I wrote other pastors who ministered to me. And I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. That didn't happen for 17 years. Preparation. When we are disciplined and we're chastened by God, don't always think of it as punishment because we've done something wrong. Sometimes it will be punishment. God wants to knock off David's rough edges. He wants to knock off his rough edges. And right now, I see David acting pretty great. David's acting pretty cool. He's acting really good. Paul talks about this, and James talks about it. Paul talks about this in Romans 5. In Romans 5, verse 3. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Tribulation. He's talking about tribulation, woes and problems. Tribulation. Tribulation is never a good word. Look it up in the dictionary. Tribulation means tribulation, hard times. But those hard times, he's saying... We glory in tribulations. Paul says we glory in tribulations because tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and hope, etc. Preparation. God is preparing David. James 1 verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Preparation. God is preparing David for what is ahead. Preparing David. In verse 2, <laughs> now you know why I couldn't get past this. In verse 2, so Jonathan said to him, by no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without telling me. 
And why should my father hide this from me? Is it not so? Jonathan says, no way, David, you're not going to die. My father doesn't want to hurt you. Now, this really sounds kind of naive of Jonathan. I mean, after all, Saul's already thrown four spears at him, (laughs) you know. Well, if your dad doesn't want to be a die, why is he trying to make me a pincushion? Why is he trying to, every time I turn around, a spear's coming out my head? But he don't want to kill me. What's he want to do, just lame, make me lame? My goodness. Crazy. David had, Saul had his men try to take him. Sadly, it appears that Jonathan thinks his relationship with his father is really better than it really is. He thinks his father wouldn't, would, would confide in him. But on the other hand, Jonathan's right. Jonathan's right, but not because of Saul. Jonathan's right because of God. Jonathan's right because of God. God has David right where he wants him. God has David surrounded by his Holy Spirit. God has David protected. And nothing is going to befall him. As I've stated many, 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 many times, I'll state it again. Man cannot thwart the plan of God. Man cannot thwart the plan of God. God has a plan for each of our lives. God has that plan. And he will see it through to fruition. He will see that plan through to fruition if we submit and surrender and allow him to do the work that he wants to do. If we submit to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he wants to do in our lives, God will see it through. We can fight after it and we can pull and we can argue about it. And God's happy to allow you to do that. It's just going to take more time and hurt you a lot more. But God says, go ahead, fight. Go ahead. Hit your head against that brick wall till it bleeds. I'm still going to get my purpose done. Nothing thwarts the plan of God as long as we continue to abide in him. Abide in him. Look what David says in verse 3. David took an oath again and said, Your father continually knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Wow. David knew that Jonathan was going to have to make a painful decision. David knew that Jonathan was going to have to either be faithful to him or faithful to his father. Jonathan was in a rock and a hard place. He wasn't really sure. His father wasn't confiding in him. His father wasn't telling him all he wants to know. His father knew that David and Jonathan were devoted to each other. He knew that there was a bond there. He knew that, and he kept things from Jonathan. But David says this statement. There is but a step between me and death. And I looked at this. This really, really became poignant in my heart. It really became strong for me because this is true of every one of us. This is the reality of our lives, folks. We are just a step away from death. Step away from death. James said, what is life? It's a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes. We're like grass. We're we're, we're vanishing. Who am I, the song says. Flower quickly fading. You know, when we're young, we're invincible. Nothing can bother us. We don't even think of death. We're reckless and crazy and do all sorts of things. Seems to be way down the road. But the older we get, we realize that mortality gets closer and closer and closer. And you're closer to this side of death than you were at one time on the other side of death. It's a matter of truth that none of us know when that particular time will come. 
None of us will know when that particular time will come in our lives. And that's true. The Bible says it's appointed for man once to die. God is the one who knows when that appointment will be kept. God is the one who has the time frame for each and every one of our lives. He is the one in charge. Often the appointment comes a little bit sooner than we anticipate. I can testify to that. In Luke chapter 12, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus gives us a parable beginning in verse 16. 16 through 21, he says this, Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And then I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you may have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, drink, eat, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Going through that right now with my son's apartment. All this stuff. All this stuff just there. What do we do with it? What do I do with it? I just said I don't want it. I just don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of it. We all have to get these things. Remember when Mark talk, taught, he's, he, he talked about those who finish with the most toys wins. Wins what? You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? How many people I know who take things with them to the grave were the ancient Egyptians. And now what's happening? We're digging them up and finding them all. And we're profiting off of that. We're digging into their grave tombs and finding all this stuff. King Tut and all that other stuff. What does it profit a man? If you don't have Christ, you have nothing. Nothing. But with Christ, not only do I have everything, Linda, but I'm the richest man in the entire world. I'm the richest man in the entire world richer than I've ever thought I could be rich. Just on love alone. Love of Christ in my heart. That's sustaining me through this long, dark time. A step between me and death. I think David's discouraged here. I think David is really discouraged. He sees that, well, I'm not going to get rid of this guy. This guy's going to haunt me down until he kills me. And maybe he's resolved to the fact that he's going to die. And this doesn't seem right for our David, our faithful David. But you know what? He was a human being too. He was a man. He knew that Saul attempted to kill him many times. Like I said, he threw four spears at him. He knew Saul wasn't going to quit. Maybe he felt that this was inevitable. Maybe he felt that this was God's will. One commentator said he was walking on a slippery plank over a great canyon. (laughs) God's not going to take you one second before your time. Not one second before your appointed time. Verse 4, Jonathan says, what can I do? What can I do? So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. 
5 and 6, And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fall, if I, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem in the city, and there is yearly sacrifice for all the family. If he says thus, it will be well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. As a member of the king court, David was supposed to sit at the king's table at all feasts. It was mandatory. That's what you did when you were in the king's court. He was expected to sit there. David's plan was, I'm not going. He wants to gauge how strongly Saul feels about him not being there. He's trying to get a gauge on whether Saul continually wants to kill him. Remember, Saul said to Jonathan, I don't want to hurt him. That's before he threw two more spears at David's head. He said, if the king gets upset, David's going to know that it's another scheming plot. It's another scheming plot, and Saul still wants to kill him. Verses 8 and 9 now reveal Jonathan's heart towards his friend David. Look at 8 and 9. Therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from you. For if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come to you, then I would tell you. David's saying, Listen, if you're going to side with your dad, if you think I'm guilty... As my brother, as my friend, kill me now. Take my life right now. If Jonathan really felt that David was guilty, kill him. That's what David said. Imagine the stress that David is under. Think about David right now. He's not very old. He's not very old. He's not experienced in this kind of stuff, and none of us are. And he's very suspicious of Jonathan because of Jonathan's bloodline. I mean, after all, you've heard the saying, blood is thicker than water. Well, he's very, very suspicious of Jonathan. But when you're under abnormal amount of stress, you can easily become paranoid. Stress brings on incredible paranoia. John, David is asking Jonathan, am I wrong here? Are you still behind me? Are you still my bud? Do you have my back? Can, can I count on you? David says, if you really are working with your father, and if you agree I, can die, I should die, please, end it now. You know, we have to see things from David's perspective. He remembered that Jonathan's support for him was challenged by the fact that his father was against him. And he remembered that Jonathan's support was challenged by the fact that Jonathan, remember, we think at this time that Jonathan knew that David was going to be the next king. So if Saul is still king, who really is next in line? Jonathan. So you can see where David's paranoia might come in. You can see where David's paranoia might come in. Jonathan's response is the same as 1 Samuel 22. He didn't know that Saul had set out for David at, at Namath. He previously told his father everything. So in verse 10, David comes up with a solution. Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? If Saul has evil determined against David and Jonathan intends to warn him, how will he do it? How will David know that the message from Jonathan is real? So they make this plot. And Jonathan said, this is 11 through 15. And Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness, 
when I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go safely. And may the Lord be with you as he was been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Jonathan's basically making a bargain with David. He said, David, I got your back. I take care of you. If my dad says evil against you, I'm going to send you away. And I do that, I won't be welcome in the palace again. You won't be welcome in the palace again. By giving David early warning, Jonathan is going to need to watch out for himself. He said, the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. That's interesting. It's really interesting. Because at one time, the Lord was with Saul. We saw that. The Lord was with Saul, wherever he went. But Jonathan wants to give David more of a warning. But he gives him an encouragement. So, even though you're going to leave the palace, even though you're probably going to have to go on the run, even though you're going to have to go hide, the Lord is going to be with you. And folks, if I've learned anything through this time, the Lord is with me. We have got to rely on him. We have got to know that he is our shield. He is our buckler. He is our strength. He is our ever-present help in time of need, in time of trouble. And he is always there. He will never leave nor forsake us. He is there. And if I've learned anything in the past four weeks, he is there. Even when I don't think he is, because my mind is telling me that he's not, he is there. And if you stop and consider him, if you stop and seek him, if you stop worrying about you, worrying about what's befallen you, worrying about your circumstances, but if you begin to praise him and worship him and declare his worth, oh my. He washes over you. He washes over you with such joy, with such peace, with such comfort. You know that you can face the next minute. I say that tongue-in-cheek. Because that's all I can face right now is one minute after the other. Because that's all we really have is now. That's something that Mark and I have been talking about a lot. We have now. Right now. We're not guaranteed the next minute, but we have right now. And I love the Lord with all my heart right now. And I accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice for me right now. And this is what it's getting me through of the most difficult time in my entire life. This is what's getting me through. The Lord is with me. He's my God. He's my help. He's with me all the time. He's never going to leave me. He's going to carry me through this. He's going to get me to his appointment hour. Because I believe he has that plan for my life and my wife's life. He will be with me. I can be sure of it because I am sure of it. Jonathan shows much spirituality when he says, the Lord is going to be with you as he has been with my father. Jonathan knows that the Lord blessed Saul. He blessed him for a long time. I said this last week, the Lord, I don't really think the Lord wanted Saul to fail. I think the Lord wanted Saul to turn to him. The Lord doesn't want to see any of us fail. He doesn't want to see any one of us fail. He wants us to turn to him. He wants us to turn to him. Remember, we've had this discussion before. You were saved so that you could fellowship with him, period. You were saved so you could fellowship with him. That's what he wants most, more than anything, 
Sure, we're to go out and make disciples. Sure, we're supposed to follow the commandments. Sure, we're supposed to do those things. But the most important thing to God is you. You are the most important thing to him, not what you can do, but you and you alone. Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Jonathan and David agreed to take care of each other. Jonathan agreed to care for David in the face of his father's threats. And David agrees to take care of Jonathan's family, which when we get to 2 Samuel, he does. He takes care of his family to his detriment. He takes care of his family. After Saul and Jonathan are killed, there's a, there's a, there's a relative of theirs that they come across and they don't kill him. They leave him there. You see the heart of Jonathan. Jonathan was willing to be second. Jonathan was willing to be second. How many of us are willing to be second? How many of us are really willing to be second? How many of us are willing to sit in the stands and go, I'm number two, I'm number two? How many of us are really willing to do that? It takes a lot to want to be second. If you're second, be the best second you can be as unto the Lord. Be the best second you could ever be as unto the Lord. Pastor Chuck had an assistant pastor by the name of Romain, ex-military DI. He was one ornery cuss. He was one mean guy. He's the one when Greg Laurie wasn't knocked on the door of the church and Romaine opened it and he said, I'm going to be a pastor. I believe the Lord's made me pastor. And Romaine said, isn't that good for you? Come on in, pastor. I've got work for you to do. And he went and got him a brew and said, now let's go sweep the parking lot. <laughs> Romaine was tough. But he wrote a book. He wrote a book and I used to have it. And I don't, can't find it. I'm going to order it. It's about this big. You know what the title of it was? Second. The title of it was Second. I love it. What you see with Jonathan and David, you see friendship in the Lord at its best. That's what friendship in the Lord is supposed to look like. That's what friendship in the Lord is supposed to look like. I have your back, you have my back. Yes, we might disagree, but we're going to get over our disagreements because the love of Christ covers multitudes of problems. Love of Christ covers a multitude of things, and we're going to get over that. We're going to move forward in his love. That's what friendship is. That's what friendship in Christ. That's what that koinonia of fellowship is. Spirit-filled fellowship. Being the first one to say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Accept my apology. I'm sorry. Being the first one to say that. Not easy sometimes. But that's... Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to take the lower road. He wants us to take the low road. Even when you're right, sometimes you can say, sorry. Even when you're right. Jonathan and David have a unique relationship. It's a beautiful relationship of love based on the Lord. And we can have that too, based on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have that kind of relationship. Friendship at its best, I wrote. Friendship at its best. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for Assure Hope. 
This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises, and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.